Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You're invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the first book of Timothy, chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received to the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was sitting in the passenger seat of the car and looked over to my oldest daughter, then 15, behind the wheel, about to operate a very significant piece of heavy machinery, I think I was appropriately concerned. We were in the church parking lot, some distance from any large barriers such as parking blocks or light poles. It was about as safe as you can be for an early experience of driving. And as a firstborn daughter, she possesses all the responsibility and capability that is stereotypical of her place in the birth order. She's a good student. She's coachable. The only thing that she had working against her were time and experience. And those are not insignificant things, but they are also not insurmountable. And my expectations were pretty low for our first cruise around the parking lot. I was aiming for survival. And if it could be helped, not totaling the car. Now, I was confident we could do that. My method was to breathe deeply, spend some time in prayer, go through some of the steps to gauge her comfort and familiarity with the driving process, and to offer some technical guidance along the way as calmly as, and as anxiety-free as possible. All was well, and we were moving along quite nicely, and then I threw out what to me was uh, a constant when I was learning to drive. Just keep your hands at 10 and 2. You'll be okay. And she very graciously and patiently explained to me, with probably a hint of OK Boomer inside of it, that they don't teach 10 and 2 anymore. Not since airbags became standard features in vehicles. 10 and 2 could injure your hands and arms while limiting the effectiveness of that safety feature, and so you should probably have your hands at 9 and 3 instead. Oh, well, that makes sense. 
And in that moment, as her experienced guide, I had to unlearn something that had been drilled into me as something that should remain universally true about driving. And I had an opportunity to learn from the person I was mentoring in order to be a better source of helpful and reliable information. The same now goes for me with uh, what is soon to be concluded sophomore geometry or seventh grade history or third grade what appears to be algebra now. By the way, did you know that it's likely pronounced Sacagawea, not Sacagawea? Everything I learned as a kid was wrong. Pluto's not a planet. Is anything true anymore? Well, of course. But I think one of the things that I've really learned since March of 2020 is how much more rapidly information, content, and data is multiplying. Can I still do math the way I learned it? As good as I ever could. But, I can, but can I be effective at helping our nine-year-old complete his assignments unless I become a co-learner with him as he's studying and discovering? Probably not. That's been one of the more humbling things about the intensity of this past year. I had some useful knowledge and skill sets, but I also had a very steep learning curve on a number of fronts. And you've seen people who have looked at the daunting challenge of adapting to a new reality over the course of the pandemic, and they just said, nope, just wake me up when it's over. Just wake me up when it's done. Those folks hoped things would go quickly back to the way things were before. And I heard in a workshop a little over a week ago that the pre-COVID ways are not our culture anymore. They're subculture. It doesn't mean that nothing good from the pre-COVID time will ever come back. It just means that we don't get to romanticize pre-COVID as so great a time that it's worth going backwards. Our option is to move ahead. And for me, that's humbling. I'm at a stage now where I'm not going to customize my phone with different UI graphics and alternative skins. I'll just set things up so I can find the stuff that I want to when I need to get to them. I gave up trying to keep up with video game systems. I downloaded TikTok back when it was called Musical.ly, and I'll watch some absolutely fascinating creators on that platform, but I'm not gonna generate any content, probably. I'll probably just skip the next dozen or so hot social media offerings because most of the people who need to reach me know how to reach me. And I don't think it's very, it's interesting enough for people to wait around to see what I had for dinner last night. Subsequently, it was Arby's. There you go. But I also know that those things are home turf and native for a generation of people that Jesus loves dearly and who he wants to be in relationship with, that God wants to reach with a timeless message in wonderful new ways. And if I'm not going to be the one to do it, that means I at least have to equip, empower, and commission people to take the message of Christ's love into those places that I don't get to and maybe don't even understand. I think the Apostle Paul was looking at what it would take to pass on the Christian faith from one generation to the next. And he saw some things that were at work that are still at work in the global church today. And some of that is the power of molehills to stop the movement of mountains power of molehills to stop the movement of mountains. And that takes us to our first lesson, to pass on hope we can't major in minors. To pass on hope we cannot major in minors. Paul is telling Timothy, don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. 
This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. The scholars think that Timothy was probably around the age of 16 when the Apostle Paul first met him as part of a family of believers at Lystra, when Paul was planning a church there that included Timothy's mother and grandmother. It was around five years later when Timothy would accompany Paul on his second missionary journey and observe this great apostle and the way that he employed his means of evangelism and church planting. Timothy was probably around 30 years old when he was pastoring and shepherding what appeared to be a very successful church at Ephesus. Paul's generation, Timothy's mother's generation, was the first generation of Christianity. They were the torchbearers at a time when the early church thought that Jesus' return was imminent. They thought he was coming back tomorrow. They really thought that Christ would come back in their lifetime. And we see some of that in the church of Thessalonica when Paul wrote to them about not just waiting around doing nothing like a bunch of parasites while Jesus was coming back. The message was always be ready. And they thought it was ready for Christ's return. But that's not it. It was also ready to pass the torch of leadership to a generation that will continue the work that's been set before the church. That looked less like bracing oneself for a sudden tribulation and more like being in relationship with people who could learn the message and then entrust that message to faithful people, that they would likewise do that for the next generation. And Paul was doing his part. He was mentoring and training and encouraging this younger pastor. He was doing his best example and instruction to show Timothy what it means to have a living faith and to nurture it in ways that access the well of grace that is required to shepherd a church and to reach the community by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul had enough experience with the naysayers that he included as part of his instructions the words, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Don't waste time, Timothy. I'm sure you've got great thoughts on the matter, Timothy. You're very smart and all, but keep your eyes on what matters the most. Don't get distracted by even passionately held minutia. Focus instead on your own discipline and stay focused. There's an anonymous bit of wisdom that advised us, never wrestle a pig. You both get filthy and the pig enjoys it. I think the same thing can be said about a lot of dumb stuff that people spar about every day. Maybe especially the internet pickers. You could post a picture of a sunrise with a caption that says, Good morning, and someone could respond, Yeah, well, my goldfish died at sunrise when I was 14. Was that a good morning? I don't post a lot of anything because all things are potentially controversial today. And we got my mom a digital frame for Christmas where I can upload pictures to that by Wi-Fi. And so I can send her pictures of sunrises all day long. She's never going to say a mean thing about that. She can delete it if she wants to. I'll never know. No hard feelings. But I will skim things like Twitter every now and then, knowing full well exactly what I'm going to see. And what I see are the battles between all kinds of different church people over things that may be a little important. But the ways that the battles are fought completely scorches any image of a loving Christ. It has much more to do with someone needing to be right and needing to be smart and little to do with making sure that the light of Christ is shining before others so that they might see and believe. And why? I think it's probably because we haven't been training in godliness. We've trained for battle. 
We haven't trained for self-control that knows when to hold its tongue or put our phones down and walk away for a while. We haven't trained for a love that turns the other cheek when we are struck. We haven't trained for how to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think that some of the challenges that we face in this world, the ones that test our patience and our charity, aren't usually about whether or not we can argue the right things until our opponents relent. I don't know about you, but i found that these types of approaches share a lot of heat, but not a lot of light. When we're passing the torch to a new generation, what we're passing is not simply right information. Ultimately, we're sharing hope through our character. If we've got hope, if the deep abiding love of Jesus is within us, it will be passed on. And if it's not, it won't. Our second lesson this morning is, young disciples are called to exemplary love, faith, and purity. Young disciples are called to exemplary love, faith, and purity. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. One of my favorite scenes from the movie Goodwill Hunting comes after Matt Damon's math prodigy character intentionally insults Robin Williams' Southie uh, therapist character for the purpose of putting an end to their little sessions. And the Williams character, Sean, talks about how he stayed up half the night just wrestling with what it is that Damon's character Will unleashed. Then he thought about something that allowed him to fall asleep and to sleep soundly. And that thought that Will is just a kid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not that Will wasn't smart. He was a genius. It's that he was too naive to know the kind of hurt that he was sharing. He didn't yet have the kind of character that would make his insult truly troubling. In fact, his words revealed that he was scared and arrogant. And therapist Sean didn't have to worry about the words that came from a place of youthful ignorance. It was up to Will to open up and to grow, and Sean was willing to help. I remember some days when I worked at a school for kids with severe behavioral and emotional disorders. And if I was doing my job correctly, I would have to enforce some healthy boundaries that the kids would not always love. They'd get into trouble just by following the template of their lives that had been set up to that point, and if they got called out, they'd sometimes lash out at the person who corrected them. And one day when I was being thoroughly cussed out by a student who was really unhappy with me for witnessing and documenting some behavior that he knew he wasn't supposed to do, and when he finally ran out of steam, I'd very kindly tell him that I wasn't really in the market for life advice from a 13-year-old in detention. It's not that he wasn't smart. He was. It's just that's not what I was looking for as a role model, you know? Not at that moment, at least. But the resilience of some of those kids was absolutely astonishing. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives doesn't mean that wisdom is constrained to those who are older any more than prophecy is restricted to those who are born closer to the future. That's not how the economy of God works. But these things are the works of the Holy Spirit. It's not the same thing as smarts or talent. It's a gift and spiritual gifts can grow and mature. A lot of us want our good ideas to stand on the merits of our own intelligence, but in the body of Christ, wisdom is shown through self-discipline, love, and purity. 
A combative person can have good ideas, but it's tough to recognize them because the other fruits of God's presence aren't there. A person can have all the initiative in the world, but if they sow contention wherever they go, that person's character has built a ceiling for their fruitfulness. In short, most folks don't care much about the ideas we have about God unless we've first shown evidence that perhaps we've encountered that God at some point in our lives. This is part of Paul's charge to Timothy. Paul wouldn't have entrusted the church to Timothy if he weren't capable. He wouldn't have continued mentoring Timothy if Timothy wouldn't have had the humility that it takes to learn. But maybe Timothy now knew the community of the church in Ephesus better than Paul did. So Paul wasn't addressing what to do with the community as much as what to do with his character to increase the chances that his wisdom and leadership and gifts would be better embraced. This is especially for younger people who are coming up in the church, and it is not a dismissal of younger leadership. If you want to ramp up your influence in the community, and you want to ramp up the opportunity to make a difference in the body of Christ, it's not just going to be on the basis of your great ideas. Invest in growing in faith, love, and purity, and Jesus will make room for you because we absolutely need your ideas. The third lesson this morning is this. Youthful boldness is a great tool when guided by the Holy Spirit. Youthful boldness is a great tool when guided by the Holy Spirit. Paul continues, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's why you see all sorts of red around you today. It's the Jewish celebration of when Moses received the Law of Covenant at Mount Sinai, and that festival was the reason that so many Jewish believers were gathered together in Jerusalem on that day when Christ's followers were leaving the upper room after having spent so much time in prayer, after having received the Holy Spirit as tongues of fire over their heads. It's what caused them to pour out into the streets and to begin to share the good news of salvation through Christ with people who had come from all around the world and to do so by the power of the Spirit and the gifts, just as they had been instructed. And it was on that day that the Holy Spirit was unleashed upon the church and people received power to tell the good news in all these languages in ways that visitors could understand. And Peter preached a sermon that introduced people to salvation through Christ. And after that message, 3,000 people were baptized into the faith that very day. And it was a spirit-filled church that laid hands on Paul, allowing him to receive the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And Paul passed that blessing on to others who would receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And through them, Timothy received the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the remarkable power that goes with that gift. That spirit didn't check IDs to make sure he was old enough. That spirit didn't tell the young man of faith to wait until he's older to make sure that his gifts would grow in his life. The Holy Spirit gifted Timothy with the means to point people into salvation through Christ and to charge him with shepherding the lampstand church at Ephesus. I've mentioned in previous sermons how I understand that Scripture points to the majority of the 12 apostles who followed Jesus to be between the ages of 16 and 19 years old, with at least Peter as an adult helper that was accompanying Jesus with this young apprenticeship program. 
And I've seen the way that a lot of adults take some of the more courageous callings of Christianity. We'll dodge some of those things like spider webs on a patio. But sometimes youthful people look before they leap. And sometimes they don't. They aren't paralyzed by apprehension, partly because that part of their brain is still developing. And I think God can use that season. The strength, the sometimes fool-hearted boldness, the determination, the ability to sleep anywhere. Jesus and Paul both knew that younger followers were more likely to take the risks. It's part of the human design. And since the younger generation seemed willing to take risks anyhow, why not take good risks for the kingdom of God? Why not ask if you can pray with someone? Sure, it's awkward. Welcome to adolescence. Why not go out of your way to help someone out? Why not ask somebody a question, that burning question about God? Why not learn how to talk about Jesus by making mistakes and learning from them? Was it rejection? Yeah, I hate rejection too. What if sharing the gospel of Jesus is a gift that you have and you just don't know until you try? Wouldn't it be worth the effort to try? To try to teach, to try to lead, to try to encourage, if it's between that and driving too fast down country roads, I think pretty much all of us are going to urge you to consider taking on faith challenges instead. This day would typically be a time when we might celebrate graduations and have some of our students and seniors especially get up and speak, and this is not that day that's going to happen still. It's been postponed a little bit till June to try to coordinate with some different schedules. But still, there are a lot of graduations taking place right now for those who are trying to make an impact on this world, or more to the point, to let God make an impact through your life. Don't waste your time with silly arguments. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, but be an example of faith and love and purity. Don't neglect the spiritual gift that's been given to you when you trusted in Christ. It may take some risk and adventure to figure out God's calling on your life. But we will be there with you as co-learners. We've got a lot to learn from you as well. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, thank you for those who have shared the good news of Christ with us. Thank you for those who have made room for us. We are grateful for the chance to try, to find what it is that you have called forth from us as our gifts when we trust in you. And Lord, things may not always go perfectly well. And in that, there is learning. There's grace. There's redemption. And alongside us always, there's you. So Lord, as we make sometimes stumbling efforts to pass this torch of faith from one generation to the next. Lord, we know that there is a, a kindness in our trying. God, help us to be effective. We know that the church will stand through all of eternity, that the gates of hell and death will not prevail against the advancing of your church. God, we ask that that would be true for this congregation as well that there would be an opportunity to pass on and share hope in Christ to a new generation. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. All in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.